All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. I am Josh Bales, one of your co-hosts from The Well Church. I pastor there. Uh, Also in the studio today, Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale. How long have you been pastoring there? Uh, Just shy of eight years. So I can't do math. Eight years (laughs) in August. We came in 2014. Okay. Carry the two and then you... (laughs) (laughs) And then a couple uh, guest hosts... um, in the studio, Ryan Hemphill is back from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. Did I get yep. that right? Yeah, yes. good job. Excellent. And then um, Pastor Paul Luer, one of um, my co-pastors at The Well. How are you today? Love it. Glad to be here, man. Yeah. So we are talking a, a little bit about apologetics. We, we began this series um, a few days ago. Uh, speaking about uh, answering a uh, answering giving an answer for the reason that the hope is within you and we were talking a little bit off the air about this verse it is in first um, Peter chapter 3 verse 15 and uh, Peter says in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And I know, Pastor Russ, that you wanted to say something about this verse. Just a general comments. Um, really, the, sometimes the, the verse is, is kind of twisted a little bit. Really, the, the context is, is saying that you as a Christian are going to endure suffering and the society is going to be opposed to you. Um, But as you go throughout your life and you end up enduring suffering for righteousness sake, there are going to be people that are watching and saying, wait, there's something different there. Um, There's something different about that person. There's something different about their approach. There's something different about their belief system. And it's going to, to... to prompt them to ask the reason for the difference. Um, and the reason why I'm saying this is sometimes I think as Christians we have said, you know what, we're going to take the offensive. Um, we're not just going to make a defense for our faith. We're going to go on the offense and we're going to make sure that we um, go after all of these different things. And we might even do that a little bit aggressively. Um but the passage is saying, now, when people engage you, you respond with gentleness and respect. Um, Colossians would say that we our conversation should always be seasoned with salt um, and it, that your speech should be gracious. And so it's, it's we want to always know what we believe, and we always want to be clear to those outside of the faith about what we believe, but we want to do that speaking the truth in love. Do it in a way that's wise and discerning. Um, Josh quoted off the air the whole the Proverbs of you answer a fool according to his folly, and sometimes you don't answer a fool according to his folly. Um, and so you need to, to know your audience, know the person that you're engaging with. Is it, is it a time for a response, or is it a time to walk away and say, you know, I don't think this is actually going to be a productive conversation. Um, Ryan quoted that, you know, the, the Jesus's comment, you don't throw pearls to swine. And that's, that's discernment. As, as a parent, I think you know these moments. You, your kids just aren't ready for instruction. Um, and so then you say, not as a cop-out, but you just say, well, 
we'll talk about this later. Mm-hmm. And really what you're doing is you're, you're waiting for a more opportune time to have a conversation so that it's meaningful. Yeah. And I think we just as, as Christians need to, as we engage with a more and more secular culture, we need to be able to have wisdom to say, this is a point of engagement, this is not a point of engagement, and not feel guilty when we discern this is a point where it's not going to be productive, I'm going to walk away. That doesn't mean that we don't have an answer. It means that we don't want to give an answer at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think... Um, Can you give a little statement just to balance please. that, too? Yep. I mean, because I know my own um, tendencies as well, and I think if with that, which I wholeheartedly agree... If we look back on our experience and we see a bunch of times where we've consistently said now is not the time, then we kind of need to re-examine, okay, maybe I'm just being too afraid or too mm. fearful. Oh, there is a and time. So, you have then, to pull the trigger. <laughs> right. Yeah. You right. have to pull the trigger. Well, I think I think one of the things you're trying to say, Russ, is that um, we should reject the approach of one size fits all. Um, so, for instance, John the Baptist, knowing what his particular role was yeah. and what um, God had called him to do, he put his finger in Herod's face and rebuked him for his sin. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that part of the the polarizing uh, that we see in evangelicalism often is okay. I'm either going to just be rude and offensive, or I'm going to be uh, totally winsome and non-offensive, and both of those. Uh, I, I would argue that both of those paths are not helpful paths mm-hmm. because there's a time where um, we shouldn't we should we should stop talking and not throw our pearls before swine and there's a time where we should speak up and say you know what that's that's sinful and you're offending the Lord and um, I think that's I think the difficulty is is that's hard sometimes to know when we ought to do either one of those um, things. And yeah. Jesus gives I mean the perfect example obviously I mean mm. those that should know better. He deals with pretty harshly, and yet we also see him just tenderly deal with those who really have no clue and idea. And um, I had a seminary professor who, um, one of his gifts was he was able to do that in class. He was our systematic professor and taught apologetics. And remember in one class, there was one student that could really take, you know, a beating, he called him stupid in one class, <laughs> threw a pen at him for one question that he asked. But then other students, they would ask a question, and he would just deal so graciously and mercifully with them. And I always was in awe of him for that gift. Wish I had it. Yeah. Well, I think we should maybe do a show on on our series on the on the Holy Spirit. But I, I do yeah. think that that this is what the teaching of of the Scripture is when it talks about that we we walk by the spirit that we're led by the spirit mm-hmm. um, that we are we need to be more more spirit in tune um, and allow the spirit to guide and direct and lead us mm-hmm. um, and he does so the more we are in God's word I think we give the spirit more tools to help guide and lead us but there needs to be a greater sensitivity um, I won't speak for for everybody but I would say that too often, I personally um, feel like, well, I've got this, hmm. and I try to do it all in my own strength and my own wisdom. Um, and I think Proverbs would say, no, don't lead on your own understanding. <coughs> and I think part of that is being more spirit-dependent mm-hmm. in our interaction with other people and, and be constantly um, the idea of praying continuously. Pray for wisdom. Pray for spirit um, guidance um, so that we do engage people how we ought to according to them as a person and not according to to our own personality but 
according to the moment that's at hand. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe one more thing to address, since we didn't get to address this in the last uh, couple shows. Um, there is, a, I think, a misconception about what apologetics are for, what we're trying to achieve uh, in the person that's in front of us, specifically the lost person. Um, Paul, maybe you can touch on this a little bit. Do you think that um, if we just hone our arguments sharply enough and just make our logic airtight enough and just quote enough scripture that we could reason somebody into the kingdom? Um, yeah. Uh, well, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid you were going the wrong direction there for a second. <laughs> well, Josh, I think you picked the wrong person. <laughs> yes, that's a good question. Yes, that's a common mis- misconception. Um, but no, um, ultimately, the scriptures teach that um, where people are, uh, and actually, my fellow pastor Josh is fond of reminding me, Paul, it's not an intellectual issue, it's a moral issue. Um, so no, uh, we cannot reason anyone into the kingdom. Uh, we know that salvation is is from above, um, and, but it's God alone who uses reason as a means in bringing about salvation. So um, no Christian believes for no reason or for a bad reason, but every single Christian believes for a good reason, and it's God who uses that those reasons, uses that as a means um, as part of uh, the new birth. Mm-hmm. So, But we as human agents, we can only be uh, used by God but we are not sufficient in and of ourselves to usher in that change in anybody else. Mm-hmm. I think the, the scriptures are just helpful in this, that those that are outside of Christ, their minds are darkened. Um, they lack spiritual understanding. Um, and so part of the whole idea of being spirit-dependent is to be um, in prayer that the spirit would illuminate, that the spirit would bring light into a darkened mind, that the Spirit would take the the truths that are being spoken and help them to be able to understand them. And so uh, less dependent upon our own reasoning and our own rational you know, arguments, more dependent upon the necessity of spirit-wrought conversion and spirit-wrought change um, in the person that we're talking to. That's right. When we're standing in front of an unbeliever, in the apologetic encounter, if you will, um, we, as Russ said, we need to be praying for nothing less than a miracle. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that, I think this that, takes so much our... pressure off of us as Christians. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of condemnation that Christians can heap upon themselves if they witness to an unbeliever and it quote didn't work, it didn't right. take. Oh, I must have done something wrong. If only. If oh, and mm-hmm. and I feel like oh man, that that will cripple you, like. This, so, in other words, um, being Reformed, our Calvinism informs our apologetic. We, we believe that, uh, that the person that's in front of us, the lost person, is dead in their sin. They're, they're blind. They don't love God. In fact, the Scripture says that they're at enmity with Him. They hate Him. And it will take a miracle for them to believe. 
And and so um, I would just encourage like all of our our non Calvinistic brothers and sisters like look you you kind of already believe this like Spurgeon once said that you you know all of us pray like Calvinists we we say Lord please open their eyes please help them to see the truth well how is that prayer um, uh, consistent with with your, the theology that you hold. I mean, you're you're asking God to do something. That's that's what Calvinism is. And that miracle that we're asking for is a resurrection. I mean, mm-hmm. we're dead in our sins and our trespasses, and so as we, it doesn't matter how well you reason with a dead person. Uh, it's <laughs> come forth, <laughs> but uh, we need uh, the Holy Spirit to be at work in that and. To bring about a spiritual resurrection. That's right. Maybe a different way to talk about it is that when we're encountering somebody that's outside of the faith, the most important person in in this conversation is not you, and it's Mm. not the other person. Right. The most important person in that Mm. conversation is the spirit. That's right. And I I think so often we, like Josh was saying, we we make it about us, and and. And it, that does create all of this pressure, all of this false guilt. And I don't want our Arminian um, brothers and sisters to say, well, this sounds like a cop-out. It's not a cop-out. Um, what, we're, what we're saying is that we do work, we do labor, we do study, we do want to give a, a reason for the hope. I mean, we, we, ought, we do believe that God works through means, mm-hmm. but it's God who works through means, mm-hmm. and we're going to become. We are going to be dependent upon the, on God. We're going to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That's right. Well, you have been listening to the Gospel for Life. Don't forget about our upcoming Reformation Boise Conference coming up October twenty first, twenty second. You can register today for free at reformationboise.com and we'll see you next time.